Amen. Thank you. If you have your Bibles tonight, open them to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Tonight we're going to move to one of the greatest chapters, I believe, in the New Testament. Now, it is hard to rank God's Word. Maybe we should not rank uh, chapters of God's Word. But to me, this is one of the greatest uh, revelations, one of the greatest descriptions, one of the greatest explanations of our salvation and of our Savior Jesus. Uh, It is deep and it is profound And it tells us of our God's compassion and his grace and his love all powerfully and succinctly told to us in this one chapter. Now, I'll tell you, and if you know me, you know this. I believe and I know that all Scripture, every word of Scripture points to Jesus. I believe that. Every word of Scripture leads to Jesus. But I believe if all that you had, if all that you could possess was one chapter... I honestly believe this would be the chapter. And I thought about chapters that would compare, and there's there's some great chapters. But if you could only possess one chapter of Scripture, I believe this would be the, the chapter to possess. And so I'll just tell you tonight, I'm excited about tonight. I praise God for His grace in giving us the third chapter of the Gospel of John. Now, we're going to have six messages uh, from this chapter starting tonight and continuing till Tuesday night. Uh, I would tell you this, I would be here if I could. Uh, I would plan to listen if I could not be here, and I would encourage others to do the same. So again, we're going to start tonight, and we will go six nights, six messages, until Tuesday night. Tonight we're in John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Our message tonight is entitled, Born from above, born from above. Again, John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Beginning in the first verse, it says this. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, I truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come tonight, we're thankful for this night, we're thankful for this opportunity, we're thankful for your word. Lord, I pray that as we hear tonight, as we study tonight, as we think tonight, I I pray that we would have a greater 
understanding of you, and that would result in a deeper love for you. And I pray that that would be the fruit of this night. And I, I pray, Lord, that it's supernaturally empowered. I pray that you would speak to us on a Thursday night, on this 13th night. I pray that you would encourage us, that you would lift our head. I pray that you would propel us to take up your cause and to uphold your glory. Lord, I pray if there's one and maybe many that are hearing tonight that do not know you, I pray in the preaching of a risen Savior, the hope for sinners, the hope for mankind, that tonight is the night of their salvation. Lord, I pray that you'd remove any hindrance, any barrier. And again, I pray that you'd be glorified in every bit of it, every step of it. We give you this time. We tell you, Lord Jesus, we praise you. We do thank you. We do worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Our gospel, let me just go ahead and tell you tonight, our gospel, our good news is really too much. Uh, it, it is deep. It is deeper than we can imagine. Uh, it is rich. It is richer than we can fathom. It is perfect. And, and you look at it, it is, it is more perfect than we can even conceive. And as long as we want to study it, as long as we want to we peer at it, we cannot begin to conceive how perfect our gospel is. It is marvelous. Oh, it, it is so marvelous. And let me just tell you this, it is glorious. I, I, I was looking for the best word. The best word I can come up with for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel that we hold, is it is glorious. It is a glorious gospel. Let me ask you the question, do you know why that is? Because our gospel is the work of and thus a reflection of our God, it is glorious. You see, he is deep, and he is rich, and he is perfect, and he is unsearchable, and he is marvelous, and he is magnificent, and he is glorious, and so his work of salvation is as well. Now, let me just tell you the crazy thing tonight. Uh, here's, the, here's the crazy realization for tonight. As we look at our salvation, it is really him that we are seeing. And that's why it's so astounding. We are really learning of him as we look at our salvation. And so we see these pieces, and we see how marvelous it is, and we see how glorious it is, and really it is a study of him. And as we look at the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus for the salvation of sinners, as we look at the good news, we are really seeing the glory of God. Now, let me just tell you that. No wonder these 12 days, these 13 days have been so awesome. No wonder this chapter is going to be so awesome. In them and in it, we are actually marveling at God. All right, let's go. Here we go to our verses tonight. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. In the very first verse, we are introduced to a man named Nicodemus. Uh, it may not seem like it. It's a very short verse, but we are actually told quite a bit about this man, Nicodemus, in this short verse. Now, it says, first off, that he was a Pharisee. Now, there's a lot of meaning there. There's a lot of things we need to understand there. It is a group that means separated ones. Now, they were deemed 
the experts in religious practice during this time. They counted the, the keeping of the law, the keeping of rules, as the way to show your devotion to God. And so how you would honor God, how you would worship God, was to keep rules, was to keep the religious laws. Not only that, they had also built a system that exalted themselves. And it's pretty a, a pretty smart thing. They built a system that was beneficial to them. And so we see this. Here they are, the experts of religion. Here they are, and they, uh, they enjoy their system. And here they are, they are the kingpins exalted in this system. The Pharisees loved ritual over true worship. They loved outward appearances more than hearts that were turned to God. They were religionists in every sense of the word. It's important to note this group was opposed to Jesus, and they grew in their opposition to Jesus, so much so, in fact, that they would be responsible for his death on the cross. Well, the Bible tells us, the verse tells us, and Nicodemus was of the party. He was a Pharisee. Now, not only that, the verse tells us he was a ruler of the Jews. Now, this meant on top of being a Pharisee, he was also a member of the Sanhedrin, and that's what that means. Uh, that is the ruling council of the Jews, if you remember that. Uh, there were 70 members of this ruling council, and they oversaw all of the religious life of the Jews. They oversaw the religious practice. They interpreted the law. They applied the law. They were over all the spectrums of religious life in the nation. Now, not only that, but they oversaw Jewish civic life. They saw how they would operate in the society, in the city, in the culture, operating under the headship of Roman rule, under the headship of Rome. And so understand when the verse tells us this, because of these designations, we can determine tonight, Nicodemus was a man of status. Nicodemus was a man of power, great power. He was a man of position, the greatest position in the land. He was a man respected and revered in the world that he walked in. And so that is our man, Nicodemus, verse 2. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you've come from God as a teacher for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. This man, that man Nicodemus, the man of power and clout and position, the Bible says, came to Jesus by night. Now, that's an interesting statement. That's an interesting fact. Now, there is a lot of speculation. In fact, there are whole books that are written, a lot of speculation as to why he would come at night. And some would say, and there's a lot of folks that would say, that he came at night because he was scared. He was scared of the opinion of others. He was scared of the, the others on that ruling council ever finding out. He was scared of being singled out. And so they say he came at night under the cover of darkness. He couldn't risk someone else seeing what he was doing. He couldn't risk the, the party of the Pharisees knowing what he was doing. And so he came under the cover of darkness. There are many that say that. There are others that say he came at night 
because he was urgent. And they would say he was so concerned, he was so weighing the information that he had, he was, he was so stirred in his heart that he could not wait until morning. And they say, you know what, he had this information and he was weighing out the truth of the things that had happened and he was so urgent in it, he couldn't wait any longer. And so as soon as he could, even in the darkness, he goes to find Jesus. Now let me just tell you the truth here. We're not sure why he comes at night. Bible doesn't tell us why he comes at night. But let me just tell you this. I don't think the issue is so much when he came. I think the issue, the actual issue, is that he came. And that's what I believe. He can come. I don't know why he came at night. He did. But I don't think that's the issue of when he came. I think the issue is that he came at all. Now, I want you to see this already tonight in our story, in our account. Be sure of this. True joy, fulfillment, purpose, and peace with God are not found in the titles of men. And you, and you just listen, true joy and fulfillment and purpose and forgiveness of sin, peace with God, it's not found in the positions of power. Those things are not found in the stuff of life. It's not found in the stuff of life because if they were, Nicodemus would have been in his bed, sound asleep, instead of looking for the carpenter's son from Galilee. And so listen tonight, whatever the world would tell you, whatever the world would lie to us, there's no hope that lasts in the positions of man. There's no hope that peace that lasts in the, in, the, in the praise of man, the stuff of life, all the things that we would gather up. Because if it were so, Nicodemus would have been in bed. But he comes and he says, Rabbi. Now, verse 10 we're not going to get there tonight, but verse 10 tells us that Nicodemus was also a rabbi. He was a teacher of the Jews. He was also a rabbi. So I want you to understand this. This is a friendly greeting. He doesn't come in opposition. He doesn't come in anger. It is a gracious greeting. He calls him an equal. Hey, I'm a teacher. I'm a rabbi. He sees that he is as well. He doesn't have the education. He doesn't have the status but he calls him an equal. He says, Rabbi, we know. Now that's talking about the Pharisees, the religious leaders. He says, we know that you have come from God as a teacher. Now think about this. Most likely, he was part of the group that got the report from the delegation that went out to interview John the Baptist. Remember, I don't know how many, three or four nights ago, we hear about the delegation that goes out, and they want to know, are you Elijah? Are you a prophet? What are you doing out here? And they were sent from the Jews back in Jerusalem. Well, most likely, he is part of the group that sent them out, and he would have received the report when it came back. He says, we know, we concede, you must be a teacher come from God. He says, we know that no one can do these signs unless God is with him. Now, remember this. Chapter 3, these verses follows the end of chapter 2. 
Now remember, at the end of chapter 2, that, that is where Jesus says the testimony of signs won't teach you the truth of the gospel. And if you remember that, that was last night. Uh, Jesus says the signs, they may, they may confirm the gospel, but they're not going to reveal the truth of the gospel. And he says these verses, they, they come, or notice these verses, they come following a discussion of false professing. And that's what the preceding verses were. It was a discussion on false professing. Well, Nicodemus is the exact expression of that. I think that's interesting. He's talked about those that make a false profession. Well, Nicodemus now comes, and he is the exact expression of that. He says, from the signs, we know that you are from God. From the signs, the things that we have witnessed, we know that you are a teacher. He says, from the things we've seen, we know that you have done the miraculous. He says, we know. Listen to me tonight. The problem is not in what they know. It is in what they did not know. And Jesus again tonight shows us that a false hope is actually no hope. And a half-truth is actually no truth. And it doesn't matter if you know something. It matters none until you know the one thing, the true thing. All right, verse 3. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Boom. Small talk's over. Boom. The, the great, nice introduction, it is over. Boom. Jesus says, Truly, truly, it means this is the truth. Nicodemus comes and he starts off with this flowery introduction and he says, we know that you must be from God. And Jesus says, this is the truth. I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, let me help you understand here. The kingdom of God is talking about fellowship with God under and in the rule of God. And so let me just, let me just make that easy for you. It's talking about salvation, peace with God through salvation, living with God and under the reign of God in and due to salvation. So when it says the kingdom of God, it's talking about salvation. Jesus says, I will tell you, unless one is born again, he cannot be saved. That's what he's saying here. These are the words of our Savior. These are the words of Jesus. Unless you are born again, you cannot be saved. Now stay with me. Unless one is born again, Again is a Greek word with two common meanings. It had two common meanings. It had two accepted meanings, and both of them would have been very popular. So the word here, the Greek word for again, has two meanings. One of the meanings is again. It actually means again. Unless you are born again, that's what it actually means. Another translation says this, another understanding, from above. 
unless you are born from above, you cannot be saved. You cannot see the kingdom of God. It has both of those meanings in that day. And so see this, Jesus says, to be saved, to see the kingdom of God, you must be born from above. Now, I'm going to back this up in a second. That's what he says. To see the kingdom of God, you must be born from above. Listen, it is talking about a spiritual birth. We're going to talk about that in the next coming verses. A spiritual birth. To, to be saved, we must, you must be born from above. You must have a spiritual birth in order to be saved. Nicodemus has no idea what Jesus just said. He heard that. He heard the other meaning. It doesn't match anything that he's ever heard. Now, I thought about this. It's not what he teaches. It's not what he tells others. It, it is so far-fetched that Nicodemus has no idea what Jesus says. He thinks to see the kingdom of God, you must be a Jew. That's honestly what he thinks. And he thinks those other folks, they don't fit in. They're not going to be there. He thinks you must be a descendant of Abraham. That's what he honestly thinks. He thinks, well, if not that, you must, to see the kingdom of God, you must keep all of the laws. That's how you please God. You must keep all the rules. And he cannot honestly fathom what Jesus just said. You must be born from above. So here's what he says in verse 4. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? When Jesus says you must be born from above, Nicodemus hears you must be born again. And so he, he hears it the opposite of what Jesus was saying here. Now, let me just tell you this. Technically, both of those things are true. If you have been born, and now you're going to be born from above, that actually is another birth, and so it is technically true. However, to Nicodemus, that makes no sense. Let me put it to you this way. What if I told you, I see your problems, I see the issues that you're facing, and what if I told you, I honestly told you, you know what you need to do? You know what your answer is? It is to be born again. And you came and said, you know what, I got this problem. I got this problem in my home. I got this problem at work. And I got this problem with my sin. I got this problem in my marriage. I don't know how these things are ever going to work out. I said, that's easy. That's easy stuff. Here's what you got to do. Just be born again. It was easy enough the first time, wasn't it? So now let's do that. Just be born again. Well, Nicodemus says, well, how can a person be born again? How, how can a person, a man of age, be born again? Any man, can they enter a second time into his mother's womb? They can't. That's what he says. They can't, can they? Here's the big answer, verse 5. And Jesus answered. He says it again. Truly, truly, it means I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter. The other one said, see, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. He's explaining what verse 3 means in verse 5. I tell you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom 
of God. I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, what does this mean? Born of water, unless you're born of water, it doesn't mean baptism. There's some folks that teach that. It doesn't mean baptism. Um, Nicodemus would have had no idea of a Christian baptism. He wouldn't have have had any idea what he was talking about had it been baptism. It's not talking about baptism. Now, listen very closely. It is not talking about being born physically. Now, I've heard that most of my life. I've heard that many times. In fact, there's many that say that. You have to be born of the flesh and then born of the spirit. You have to be born through a womb, and then you have to be born a second time of the spirit. That is true, but it's not what Jesus is saying. Stay with me. I want you to notice here in this verse, it is one event that contains two actions. That's why it has the word and there. And so if you're going to enter the kingdom of heaven, there's going to be one event, not two, not a birth in this birth. You're going to enter and there's going to be one event, but it's going to contain two actions. To be saved, it's going to require both of these actions. You must be born of water and the Spirit. Now let me show you what this is saying. From the context, and that's where we're at in the context of the Gospel of John, from the context When he said, born of water, as Nicodemus is hearing, it is going to be reminding him, it is going to be reminiscent of John the Baptist's baptism of repentance. That's what's going on in the context. That's what we spent a chapter and a half talking about. That's the report that has come back to him. That's why that is in the preceding chapters. And so with Nicodemus considering that, with the report that has now come back, understand The step to prepare for the Messiah, what was it? Repentance. The baptism of John the Baptist signified what? Repentance. So the report that came back would have said, he's baptizing a a baptism of repentance. Well, listen, to repent means to turn from your sin and to turn to God. That was the message of John the Testifier, John the Baptist. He's calling the nation to repent and to turn from their sin and to turn from God. That is the message of John the Baptist. Well, now listen, the message of Jesus is when you repent, when you turn from your sin and you turn to God, one event, you're born of the Spirit. That means you're made new in the Spirit of God. It means you're spiritually reborn. You're spiritually recreated. Jesus says both of these things must be in place if a person is going to be saved. You have to repent of your sin, turn to God, and when that happens, you are spiritually reborn. Folks, I want you to hear me. That is the testimony of Scripture. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we repent of our sin, when we turn to God, the Bible says we are made new in the spirit and the power of God. When we repent and we turn to Jesus, we are made fit for heaven and we are made fit for fellowship with God. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, what? They are a new creation. They are born again. If anyone is in Christ, they are spiritually made new. They are supernaturally made new. And I want you to hear this. It is in the power of God that that happens. It is the work of God that that happens. Hey, listen to me. That is the gospel. 
Well, I can't do it. No, you can't. Well, I'm not good enough. No, you're not. Oh, I've tried and I've tried. If I can tell you how I failed, guess what? You're not going to do it. That's good news. All right, more explaining, verse 6. That which is born in the flesh is just going to back it up. That which is born in the flesh is flesh. And that which is born in the spirit is spirit. Born means to come forth from. That which is born in the flesh, flesh means our humanity, our humanness. That which comes out of our humanity, that's what which comes out of our, our flesh, our humanness, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Now what that means is it is not our work. Our power cannot do it. Our resolve cannot do it. Our skin, our humanity, try as we might, cannot produce salvation. That's what people try to do. That's what false religions are. If I can tip the scales, if I can do enough good things, if I can make you forget the past, they'll try to earn it themselves in their skin. That's what Nicodemus was hoping as a Pharisee. And it does not work. But to be born of the Spirit is spirit. That which comes forth from the Spirit is spirit. It means this. It is God that saves. It is God that makes us ready. It is God that makes us new in his own power. It is his work. Go read Romans chapter 3. It says, why then would you boast? You didn't do it. Ephesians chapter 2 says it's the grace of God. You didn't do it lest you boast. Listen to me tonight. That is very complex. That is very deep. Let me make it plain for you. Here's what it means, dear friend. It means when we see our sin, and we are sorrowful over that sin. Oh, we hate that sin. We're, we're sorrowful over that sin. We wish we'd have never done those things. Oh, we wish we could take it back when we're sorrowful over that sin, when we're tired of the shame. I'm tired of the guilt and the shame that I carry. I earned it, but I'm tired of it. And if we will repent and turn to Jesus, what it means is he is powerful to save. It means Jesus is mighty to save. His arm is not shortened that he might not save. It means that he is compassionate in love. And in that love, when we turn to him, he saves us. We are born again, born of the Spirit, fit for fellowship with the Holy God. And that happens in the grace and the power of God. Let me tell you something, for a sinner like me, that's good news. Let me tell you something, for a sinner like you, that's good news. You didn't do it. You can't. You're hopeless. I am. But he does it. Verse 7. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. It's deep. It's crazy. It's a new way to think for Nicodemus. His, his whole system's been thrown away. His whole system means nothing. It has been scrapped. Don't be surprised, all right, verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So it 
so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus is blown away. There's more great stuff coming. We're going to see that in the next few nights. But he's blown away. You must be born from above if you're going to see the kingdom of God. And to try and explain it, Jesus says, the person born of the Spirit is like the wind. Can't see it. Can't understand it. But you can see the impact of it. Now, I want you to think about that. I, I think maybe we, somebody does, knows more about wind today. And when the barometric pressure pushes down, it blows out like this. I think that's right. If it raises up and it sucks in like this, what is barometric pressure? I don't know. Where does the wind come from? Where does it go from here? What makes it stall out? We can't see it. We can't understand it. I can't. But you know what? I can see the impact of it. And I can see the fruit of it. And I can see, you know what? Something has worked here and something has moved here. And so it is with this truth. Nicodemus, it is this way. This is the truth. Folks, let me tell you tonight what a gospel we have. What a gracious Savior we have. What a, what a salvation we have. What a Savior, what a Savior. If we'll turn in repentance, if we'll trust in Jesus, he buries the old. He forgives our sin. He pays off the debt we can't pay. He makes us new. Remember the, the cry of King David when he's caught in sin? Created me a new heart, oh God. Tired of this old heart. Tired of where it goes back to. Don't, don't cover it. Don't, don't try to fix it. Created me a, a new heart. If we are in Christ, we are new. Call on him in repentance. Here's what the Bible says. You are saved. Born again. Born from above. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come, and I'm thankful for you, and I'm thankful for your grace extended to sinners. We can't earn it, couldn't do anything about it. We're thankful for your power. To like the wind, you're mighty. You're, you're mighty enough to save. And in your compassion, you want to. We're thankful that if we'll call out, tired of our sin and repentance, not of any work that we would do, not of anything that we would do, it all fails but that in your grace you save us, redeem us, restore us, renew us, Lord. I'm thankful. Lord, I pray for two things tonight. I pray for those that are hearing tonight that haven't trusted you, that tonight in the hearing of this good news that they would turn to you. Tired of their sin, they would turn to you. Tired of the, the weight of the guilt and the shame, they would turn to you. Knowing there is hope tonight, they would turn to you. Lord, move in their hearts. And I pray for those of us that, that do trust you, that have trusted you. I pray we would know that there's a lost and hurting, dying world right around us. And that we would be agents, ambassadors, sold out to the proclamation of this good news. Lord, we praise you tonight. We thank you. As we peer into this, we see you. We thank you for that. Pray in this time of invitation that you would move, that you would work. That your grace will be known and be received and you be glorified in every bit of it. Lord, we come, we commit it to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You know, one of my favorite parts of this account, we, we've got a couple more nights to go on just this. You know, after this portion, after this part, the next time we hear of Nicodemus, 
It's at the cross. He comes, has everything in his pocket, got it all. But you know what he does? He comes with Joseph of Arimathea, and he pulls the Lord's body off that cross. He takes it, and he hauls it to a grave. You know what evidently Nicodemus did? He got saved. Evidently got saved. Let me tell you, tonight offered to you in the grace of God is that same salvation. The Bible says we're sinners, and in sin we've earned a punishment. The Bible says in great grace Jesus came. He did not sin so that he might become and carry our sin, and that's exactly what he does on the cross of Calvary. He dies for my sin and your sin. He dies for it, paying for it. He's put in a grave. He's actually dead. The payment's paid in his death, in his blood. The Bible says three days later, Easter Sunday morning, he walks out of the grave and he stands as the living, risen, resurrected Lamb of God, our King, our hope, our Savior. The Bible says if you will trust in him, if you'll put your belief in him, trust your eternity, your salvation to him, the Bible says you shall be saved. If you've never done that, do it tonight. If you've never done that, do it tonight. If you're listening to some other means tonight, if you've never done that, you don't have to go somewhere else. You don't have to talk to anybody else. You have all the information. Do it tonight. Do it tonight. Trust Jesus tonight. If you're here and you follow Christ, but you've never fought on believer's baptism, I want to give you an opportunity to come set a day. It'll be a great day of celebration. I believe in Jesus. I want to testify to it. I'm not a coward. I'm not scared. Not ashamed. I want to testify. Maybe you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it. You come as well. If, you, if God's led you here, you come as well. Maybe tonight on this Thursday night, on the 13th night, you want to come pray to an altar. You want to pray for folks that are, that are hearing tonight. You want to hear for folks, pray for folks that are deciding tonight. Maybe you want to come pray with me. Maybe, maybe we don't even know what you're dealing with tonight. The Bible says nothing's too big or too small, and you want to come deal with it in humility at his altar. I'm going to ask as we stand and sing, if you have a decision to make, you step out and you come on. I'll meet you here. You step out and you come on.